I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Almost every WNBA team is having early season ups and downs, and Rachel and I are here to update you on all the recent happenings. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community, patreon.com backslash Winsider. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at winsider.com. That's winsider.com. And remember, downloading this episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important, important work. Rachel is back, y'all. Great to have you back. From the depths of breaking news in the land of no cell phone coverage, it's great to, to be back in the booth with my co-host, my pal, my friend, Rachel Galligan, the GOAT. How you doing? <laughs> well, that's quite the intro. I'm good. Happy to be here. Yes, I was off the grid for a while. Anyone who knows me knows I like to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And we take this trip every year, um, and it's a lot of fun, and it's become like the one trip that you know, really everybody looks forward to, but it's like the worst time trip because it's right around the start of the season and I have to basically miss a whole week. Uh, so then I spend the next week really trying to catch up on everything. But here we are. I feel pretty good about what's going on. I feel like I got a handle on it. We got some, a lot of action last couple of days, a lot coming up this weekend. So um, clearly a ton to talk about is we're kind of entering that phase where like, it's no longer early season, but it's like not the point where, you know, we're in the middle of season. So you can really start to analyze stuff a little bit. Well, exactly. And we're going to hop into that. Just just a little fun fact for everyone. The WNBA is straight up streaking right now. Uh, we have five teams with a three game or more streak. The Storm have won five in a row. The Dream have won four in a row. The Mercury three in a row. And the Sky have lost six in a row. And the Fever have lost five in a row. Um and an interesting aspect kind of to what you were talking about, we're past that like early stage in the season where I guess it's it's that situation of, okay, well, they won one game and nobody else has played or they played more games and have a good record. So like, th- especially with the way that the schedule was based this season, it's been really hard to kind of gauge where the teams are and who these teams truly are. And I think also with so much like big name movement, it's been really hard and confusing just to run it down uh, real quick, the according to the standings on the league website, Seattle Storm in first place at 6-1, and one, followed by the Connecticut Sun at 7-2, and two, then the Aces, the Dream, the Mercury, the Liberty, the Sparks, the Wings, Mystics, Chicago, Lynx, and the Indiana Fever. That's your, that's your, your standings right now. Um, I feel like the hot topic we got to dive into right now is your hometown, Rachel, the Chicago Sky. What is going on in Chicago as they started off 2-0 and have since lost six in a row? Two of them, or more than two of them, but specifically the last two against the Mercury, just in heartbreaking fashion, lose on a half-court lob from Kia Nurse two games ago. Then they uh, were losing for most of the first half, take the third quarter and take the lead and blow, I believe it was a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter to take the game to overtime and lose by three. What's going on in Chicago? 
I mean, I think we could have, I don't know. We could have a lot of different opinions and a lot of different thoughts on this. I think for, as far as I see it, I mean, obviously this, this, there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot going on to put it lightly. You've had so many bizarre roster changes and things that have happened and numbers are down. And then Allie Quigley is back. Candace Parker's still out. You know, it got the trade that happened last week with Dallas, Dana Evans, you know, so it's like, to me, it's so helter skelter right now that it's just like, you know, obviously this team is not at a hundred percent in terms of what we anticipate this roster being. I mean, Allie Quigley just came back last night, literally last night. So, and honestly, I think she played pretty well. Um, so I think there's an element of like helter skelter of trying to like scramble together like pieces to um, secure some wins early on in this season, which clearly isn't happening, but like you're coming that close and this is a ton of adversity. And I think some of these losses, man, they're just heartbreaking. I mean, they're just really, really heartbreaking losses. But for me, I mean, I'm pretty vocal on it so far. I'm not, not hitting any panic button. I do think there was a phenomenal, um, I don't, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm blanking on who wrote it or who was talking about it, but you know, Chicago is, is, is a franchise that has very little support. There's no assistant GM. There's not a ton of staff positions. Like honestly, I'm I'm going to put it out there. What Chicago has been able to do and what James Wade has been able to do with that franchise who historically really lacks a lot of resources compared to other franchises, I think is phenomenal. Now that's not an excuse to say as to what's happened here the last you know, a couple weeks, six games. six games, but, but it just, it just like, people need to remember, like, this is not, in my opinion, a top destination franchise from a resource perspective. So I think you have James Wade trying to put some pieces together and there is a little bit of a scramble. You, you don't have your full roster. You don't have your former MVP, you know, who obviously would make a massive difference. And this team is just, they're literally trying to piece it together at this point. And then on top of it, you're just, you've lost some heartbreaking um, games that you easily could have had. Now, I, we all know this this roster is capable of. It's early in the season. I mean, what was it last year, two years ago? Connecticut started like zero and six or something along those lines, and everybody was freaking out. I mean, it's too early to panic. I think it's just it's it's a really rocky start. I mean, understatement of the year. It's a rocky start, uh, but this adversity from this veteran roster and with the leadership on this team is going to learn from these, these early losses and, and these losses and these moments right now are going to further benefit them down the stretch. That's my prediction. And, and let me just echo what you said. I mean, a lot of people are going to kind of scoff this, but you look at the history of it. I mean, there hasn't been big name free agency signings in Chicago. In fact, it's been the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. All the big name players, or maybe not all of them, but the majority of the big name players have made their way out due to their own request however you want to put that, you know, if that's the team-friendly version or the player-friendly version, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of great players have left this roster, have left the Chicago sky. And I think that was part of the reason of, you know, besides the story and whatever, bringing Candace Parker in was a huge accomplishment for this team for the simple fact of bringing an MVP player, a superstar player, to want to come and join them. Yeah. It doesn't matter where she's from, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. You know, like a player is not going to say – oh, you know, I'm from uh, Oklahoma, like some random place that has a G League team, so I'm not going to play in the in the, 
the majors because I want to play in a G League team. That's that's not how it works. Um, so I I completely agree with you, and I completely agree with giving James Wade a lot of credit for this. I also I just want to say this as someone who's a big James Wayne Wade fan. I like the candidness of the post game interviews that he does, where he'll take fault for when he feels that he caused issues. Well, that's a good that point. That's issues. a good point. We live in a world now where it's constant blame, right? Like push the blame on on others and. And I, that's one thing I love about James Wade. First off, I think he takes losses extremely hard, even harder than most. And I think he internalizes them really hard. But he'll, he'll, he'll take ownership. The comment he made about Diamond to Shields and like, oh, I let my energy get dropped when she missed one shot. I mean, I just, I just really respect that from him. Yeah, because most coaches are not – most coaches will talk about the gameplay or whatever. And, and I like when, when a coach says, hey, look, I like we can talk about the players and yeah, there's things they could have done better, but let's not sit here and pretend that I was perfect. Sure. Nobody's perfect. Um, and, and let's talk about, you know, the look, yeah, you're right. They were in, they have a ton of injuries they've had because of that. They haven't had the roster that not only they expected that we all expected. I mean, Candace Parker's played one game guys. Um, Allie quickly has barely seen the court. Steph Dolson has been MIA uh, due to the three on three Olympics. And, you know, with all of the hardships that they had to go through, and by, I'm using like the, the roster sign, like, yes, they've gone through hardships. But I mean, in the roster sense, they were just in a situation where it ate into their cap space and they were not, if they kept Shyla, they were not going to be able to bring on a veteran player who they really needed to kind of stop the bleeding. And I think the timing of it, you kind of look at it and you go, oh, wow, they're sputtering and they're just, you know, trying to pull the parachute and grab onto anything. But I think, realistically a lot of these moves were thought of before some of these losses happened like realistically gm james wade had to have said a few games ago like hey we're gonna have to make some moves because of the current situation um and bring in you know a vet and and a lot of people are gonna go oh well uh well shiloh's a rookie and uh dana evans is a rookie so how does that work it, it if you look go to her hoop stats or uh, I think Richard Cohen has a good breakdown of it. If you look at like how the pricing works for people's base salaries and whatnot, it is affected and it is slightly different having heel. Um, so basically the team had to make a decision of having Dana Evans and a vet or having two rookies. That's, that's essentially what it came down to um, from my understanding, just looking at the numbers and everything. So, you know, tough break for the 19 year old and heel. She'll be around. She's not, you know, she's not, yeah, she's maybe going back to Australia, but she's not going anywhere in the sense of the WNBA sphere. Um, let's talk about the Phoenix Mercury, though, because they're an interesting team. They're a team that I have questioned. I'm going to throw something out there. I want your insight on this, Rachel. I've questioned, you know, how they're going to gel Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Brittany Griner. But something that I didn't account for um, that has actually really hyped me up is when Diana Taurasi went down with the injury, it put them in a situation where I always felt that Diana and Brittany meshed in a certain way, not to the best ability of both players, but they meshed in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you brought Skyler in, it was almost like Skyler and Diana meshed better playing-wise. I'm talking completely playing-wise. But now having Diana out of the picture, I feel like has given an opportunity for Skyler and BG to start meshing in a way and for other players on this team to step up in ways that honestly, they just weren't 
able to with Diana Taurasi on the court because of the attention um, and the, you know, the gameplay that, you know, the game that you're going to run through her. Mm-hmm. And granted, I think a lot of people might jump back at me and say, well, Ari, Diana's injured all the time. That's been one of my criticisms, honestly, is not having that secondary ability of Diana not being there in this team to succeed. Um, what are your thoughts on on the Skylar Diggins, Brittany Griner combo and how they've been able to pull off a streak of three wins, two of them in, cl- in Diana Taurasi time? Forget Dame Dollar sign time. Like, we're talking Diana Taurasi time, right? Overtime, final shots of the game. This Mercury team was able to pull off Diana Taurasi wins without Diana Taurasi. Well, and there's moments in that third quarter in particular where, like, they lull out. You know, and, and you're like, what's happening Classic here? Or they're not, I mean, my big thing is the whole rebounding numbers. I was going nuts last night. Just, I mean, you know, I just, I'm always looking at re- rebounding numbers. It's like an obsession. But, you know, they they lull out and you think, oh, man, they're, they're going to lose it. But that's, it's so weird. It's like they, they just find ways. They, they find ways to make a quick run to stop their opponent's run. To somehow pull it off in the end. I mean, God, honest to God, I think the big the X factor, no pun intended, is Kia Nerf right now. She's playing phenomenal for the Mercury. Obviously, that 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 buzzer beater half court shot was phenomenal and and you know, obviously made a got a got a ton of attention. But I think Kia Nurse right now with Tarazi out, potentially with Tarazi even in, I don't know, is the X factor for this team. Although Skylar Diggins is playing phenomenal. I like the combo of her and Griner. Um, you know, as always when Griner's motivated to be the most dominant player in the league, she can do that. I just really think that Skylar's playing with a chip on her shoulder that I just, I don't know. She, 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 she's on a different level right now. Um, and that's what is going to end up making this Phoenix Mercury team, but she has to have the right pieces around her. So whether that ends up being Tarasi and how that meshes well is we still kind of have to see, I think more, but right now this combo of Griner nurse and Skylar Diggins Smith is, Again, they're just finding a way to get it done. It's not always the prettiest <laughs> in the world, but they get it done. Um, and, and they're doing just enough down the stretch to stay in games and to make the right plays. And it, it comes down to that crunch time, right? Like the final, whether it's the overtime, whether it's the final couple minutes, how are, how are those possessions? And there's moments where like they're flinging the ball all over the gym and you're like, they're literally trying to throw this game away, but still somehow – they're able to make enough right plays <laughs> to pull a game out. I mean, again, they're not blowing people out. This isn't this isn't like a dominant force team by any stretch. But man, they are winning close, gritty games at the end. Which, on the flip side, is what Chicago has yet to figure out how to do. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Also, is like you know we can have our issues with the Chicago Sky, right? They definitely threw away. To, to a degree, maybe that's a harsh term, but like that first loss to the Mercury, they had opportunities, they missed a shot. Actually, you know what? No, forget it. Looking at both the games, they threw them away in the sense of they had large leads and they weren't able to hold on to them. But even if you just look at that last minute of play, or even the last offensive possession for the Sky in both those losses, yeah. you know, they got shots off. Were they, you know, high percentage, the best shots that they could have gotten? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but they were getting looks that were, it's not like, you know, it was a broken down play and the team just collapsed. They got shots. They didn't go in. So I think, you know, while the Mercury can look at those games and say, we're building off this because we're able to pull off these victories. Skylar Diggins said 100% where you, I agree with you. Um, 100% about B, you and I could do like 50 episodes about BG and her drive or motivation. Um, 
But yeah, Kia Nurse, you know, a lot of people didn't think it was going to be as big of an impact uh, when she when she came over I there in that trade. Her. I think she's it's a great fit. She's a great compliment to on, on the wing. It's great. I really like it. Might, honestly, like as of now, I'm trying to think, might be biggest impact trade of the offseason right now. Obviously, if you're talking offseason off season signing, I think we would have to all agree it's Benajia Laney. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I mean, the, the way they're playing right now, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about, while, while we're on teams that are losing, we can't not talk about uh, a team that's been high in discussion. So, I'll be honest, Indiana Fever, not looking good. And I was on a pick streak. Sometimes Rachel and I do pick them uh, in our Slack channel with the whole Winsider staff. We've been doing pick them every single game so far, and I had started off horribly because I like to play a little risky, right? I'm not putting money on this. So if there's a game that I see a lot of people picking one team to win and I think it will be closer, I'll pick the other team, you know, just to kind of even the odds. It screwed me over last season and pick them with Rachel, but whatever. <laughs> um, but Indiana Fever, I honestly, I picked them to beat LA last night. Last night. They got mopped by LA by like thirty something or high twenties. I mean, it was it was bad and ridiculous. And honestly, looking at the game the whole time, going into the game, I was thinking to myself, you know, basically all the bigs besides Manizawi B are MIA on LA. So if the Fever is smart, their Tierra McCowan's going to drop a fifty stack. Completely opposite. I mean, the team barely hit fifty. Um, what's going on with Indiana? And I, I put this out in a tweet last night. And I want to ask you your opinion on this. Is it coaching? Is it GM? Or is it the players underperforming? Well, what do you think? Ugh. I mean, putting you on spot. Maybe <laughs> all the above. I, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just bad. It's bad. Everything is bad across the board. Um, the the one thing that was so alarming that I was watching so intently last night was the lack of engagement of the players on the floor. Um, I mean, it was literally like they were guarding the LA Sparks, just a layup line. I mean, I mean, I can't remember how many times the Sparks got it into the lane and were just laying it up with fever players, letting them blow by and watch. To me, there's, ma- there's massive issues going on in the locker room. There's massive issues going on between the staff and the players, potentially a disconnect. Um, again, I, this is my opinion. I don't know any of this for a fact. I just see a team that is not engaged, not on the same page, not buying in. The players just did not even seem like they wanted to be there last night. And, and so that's not a knock necessarily on the players. It's just a bigger representation of something, something much larger it appears to be a play. I mean, they, they, they were not interested in playing that game last night. And, and I'm with you. I really felt like I'm looking at the lineup and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be an interesting matchup right now between these two teams. It's going to tell us a lot, you know, potentially Indiana. I mean, could, could, could have stolen one from, from LA, you know, at this point. And then if, if that were the case, say they came out, they were engaged there. They were, they were putting out effort. They wanted to be there. Um, they played well, whatever it might've been. And, and they end up getting a win. We're having a different conversation. We're thinking, okay, Indiana showed us what they're about. And instead it wasn't even a close game, like to get mopped by what close to 50, you know, 45, whatever it was, I would have never expected that to happen. I really thought it would have been a, a, a at least a game worth happening. So 
to me, I, I, it's not even about X's and O's. It's more than that. It's, 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 there's some massive issues taking place in the, in the fever organization. And I hate to be so harsh, but that's what I see. Um, well, and, and I'll, I'll echo what you're saying. And just to the clarity, if anybody's kind of trying to clap back at Rachel here, like she's expressing this from what she's seeing watching the games right. from afar. She's not saying she's in the locker room or she has a sort like everyone knows Rachel has sources. We're not getting into that right now. What she's saying is like, we're all seeing this, I'm, right? Yeah, and I'm, 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 for like, a long time, like I'm watching a team that just is not engaged right now. And so when I well, and team, and yeah. let me say like back to the original question, right? Is it the GM, the coach, or the players underperforming? It's hard to for say. me. You know, it's hard to say when you're not in the locker room. You don't know what's in yes. place, but you know you have to assume it's a little bit of all of it. You know. Well, it, it, what I was gonna say is you look at this and you. I think it's easiest to start with the players. And if we if we can all agree that the players are underperforming, which I think is a fair statement to be made just looking at who's on this roster, right? Like Kelsey Mitchell has underperformed throughout her career. It's easy to say. Tierra McCowan, um, Lauren Cox, like all these players, yes, you can give reasons for why, but compared to where they were drafted and what was really expected of them, they're underperforming. And when you look at that, then it kind of trickles up, right? If we're starting on the bottom with the players, it trickles up to, you know, okay, well, is it the GM who made mistakes with these drafting picks? And I understand we're talking about a legendary player, but I always feel the need to say this. Tamika Catchings being one of the greatest WNBA players of all time, if not the GOAT, does not make her a great GM. And honestly, it's been kind of disappointing to see a lack of criticism where I feel like it's rightfully due. Like, it's nothing personal about her. I think she's an amazing person. But if she keeps picking the wrong players and making the wrong moves, and also you look at the salary cap situation, they've tied themselves to these players and this roster for the for the immediate future. Well, so it's not like, you know, it's a team that says, okay, I know we're going to be bad this year, or I know we're going to struggle this year, but... We're going to be able to turn it around because we're doing, you know, contract-wise, we're not tied to this, whatever. They're tied to these players. And then if you're, you know, going up that same direction of starting with the players, it goes to the coaches also, right? Mm -hmm. If they're disengaged, it's a coach's job to find, like, the biggest thing is, maybe not the biggest thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, at any point, but a huge aspect, a huge percentage of what a coach's job is, is to motivate the players. Sure. A coach isn't going to magically make Rachel, make me Rachel's height and me have Rachel's post moves. Right? I mean, like you can learn them, but there's certain things that you can't teach. It has to be about the coach motivating the player to be playing the best basketball they possibly can and putting them in those positions. Um, I think there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players. That's, there's something major I see there. I'm not seeing a bridge or someone who can even relate to the players. Like I think that that's something that's fascinating to kind of pay attention to to some degree. Another point I want to go back. Sorry to interrupt. You've got two lottery picks the last two years who who played a combined ten minutes last night when you got waxed by fifty. Like why aren't we playing them? That like what at least let them play. I mean you literally chose these players as like your top pick. And like they're just on the bench, so that that is that is mind-boggling to me to some degree is as to why um, you know Lauren Cox and again I know she's just kind of getting back into it um, and Gondrasic you know why are why aren't, why aren't they playing a little more that's 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 interesting to me. 
Oh, 100%. There's so many head scratchers of like, is it is there a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players? Is there a disconnect between the GM and the coaches? Is there just a complete disconnect? I, I don't know what it is. We're not in there. It's COVID time. We can't, you know, sneak into the arena and, and watch these practices and get a better understanding. But I will say, last year, this Indiana Fever team was not playing well, and they beat the Seattle Storm and made for one of the greatest post-game, WNBA post-game interviews of a coach of all time. Um, so maybe they pull off a win soon and we get another entertaining post-game interview well, I will Speaking say, of that, I will yeah. say real quick, real quick, every team has like that moment every season where they like hit that rock bottom and they have got to do some serious gut check time. If it's not now for the fever, it's going to be a long season. That's all I want to say. Oh, totally. And I, and I feel like that gut check moment, like some teams have already had that, right? I feel like, I don't know, the Washington okay. Mystics have already had that gut check moment. I feel like the Minnesota Lynx have had that gut check moment. Heck, even the Atlanta Dream have had that gut check moment. A lot of these teams have already had them, and maybe it's not maybe it's not the gut check rock bottom moment, but it's definitely you know you see some of these teams, and I feel like the Chicago Sky are, are in or around it, right? A gut check moment isn't going to immediately turn losses into wins, but you'll see a difference in body language, in in style of play, and maybe you'll still get you know waxed by twenty. But it will look different how you get waxed. Um, moving on to the, the other side, team that's been doing really good, the 6-1 and one Seattle Storm on a five-game win streak. Um, they lost only one home game. They're 4-1 and one at home. It's pretty pretty impressive what they've been able to do to plug and play people into their system. Yeah. Obviously, it's a little bit easier when you have MVP caliber players uh, like Jewel Lloyd, like Grant Stewart, like Sue Bird. Um, it's... They're, they're an interesting team. What are your thoughts about the Seattle Storm and newly appointed head coach, Noel Quinn? Shout out to, to Noel Quinn. Awesome. Um, you know, again, the, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. They're plug and play. They're, they're, they're doing Seattle Storm things. I think tonight will be interesting with Dallas. Dallas is a team that is just going to be like that gnat, right? They're going to, like, cause headaches for every team every single night. Um, they always say there's no easy wins, right, in the WNBA, but, like, they're going to be tested in a way. I don't think they've been tested quite yet this season. So I'm really um, anxious to kind of really analyze tonight and, and for both teams. Um, but again, I mean, yeah, Seattle's playing really, really well. Um, I was, I'm not going to say I'm surprised by their start, but I mean, I, I expected them to be in the top three at this point in the season. So um, nothing more to really say besides they're playing well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, be, I mean, I've been I've been impressed in their ability, like like we both said, to plug and play people into the system. I do think that the that maybe and then tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like like there hasn't been that same. I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this. I can't decide if I feel like people are as high up on the storm as they have been in past years. I don't feel as high up on them. I'm I'm staying with my preseason predictions of not seeing them as the top team, the top dog in the league. I still got some other teams that are on par with them. You know, when, let's say in past recent years, when they've had a full healthy roster, it's been pretty clear that they're the best team in the league. I don't think that's the case this season. It will be interesting. Um, but uh, another fun team to talk about is is the Las Vegas Aces. And there's a specific reason that we're not talking about the Connecticut Sun. You'll hear in a new episode coming out soon. 
Support for the Windsider Show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your personal space. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men and women worldwide who have trusted Manscaped. With this exclusive offer, you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at Manscaped. I'm one of the first to try the new Lawnmower 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and detail are next level. Manscaped engineered the ultimate body trimmer by focusing on intelligent, functional, and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident in safe shaving, and so will you. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths, sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system helps the battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at manscaped.com. And trust me, you won't regret this. Las Vegas Aces, I mean, can we pat ourselves on the back? I mean, we're not, we didn't originate this theory. We've expressed this theory. Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage on the court at the same time has not been the most productive of lineups for this team. And Asia has looked her best when Liz hasn't been on the court. Is this team like doomed to be a top team that can't get over the hump to win a championship because they have too many superstars? I don't think so. I don't, I don't feel that way at all, actually. I feel like um, my concern of Asia and Liz on the court, you know, a year ago or you know, whatever, a couple years ago, whatever it might have been, um, it all blends together at this point, um, <laughs> is not, I don't feel as strongly about that or, you know, as worried about that. I think, I think we're starting to see them really mesh well together and, and feed off of each other. I mean, you know, obviously – when Liz Cambage is not on the court, it's Asia time. But last night, Asia Wilson did what she does. She throws a team on her back, and she goes to work. And, and Liz it played a little bit more of a complimentary role. It's going to change night in and night out. And I think they're starting to understand what those matchups look like and how they exploit them. They're just so freaking dominant. And I really think this team has the pieces to go win it all. They've got – the players, I still feel like Jackie Young is such an, an integral X, X factor for this team to be able, like, can she take that jump and stay consistent? Um, but no, I, I don't think this is a, this is a team that they, they, they should go win it all. If they can keep the six inches between their ears right, they can go win a championship. Oh, I, I agree. I was posing the question because I think it's a fun question to pose. I think they are getting better, and uh, anybody who hasn't, listen to post game last night. It was a really insightful post game. Um, props to the PR guy, uh, John Maxwell with Las Vegas Aces. He does a great job of just having um, Coach Bill Lambeer just, you know, kind of give his, his opening statement, his opening thoughts. And side note, as, as, a, as a media member, I've enjoyed it because it makes him just be in a better mood uh, for when you ask questions. But, <laughs> and the media members know what I'm talking about. Um, but, the interesting aspect of the post-game press conference, and, and I apologize for going long on this. We just, you know, Rachel and I get chatting WNBA, going on a five-hour rant. Um, 
was what you were talking about is that understanding of sometimes it's going to be your night. Yep. Sometimes it's going to be somebody else's night. And and that's what we see. I mean, we can talk about super teams in the W, right? The the Minnesota Lynx, uh, heck, the Houston Comets, uh, the Seattle Storm, the LA Sparks, even the Washington Mystics. When these teams have won championships, all these teams are winning it with like three stars on their roster, if not more, right? And the key has always been is understanding that when you when you join a team like that, and I stress this all the time in Slack conversations and, and personal debates about, you know, who's the greatest players of all time and whatnot, it can't just be, oh, you're the person who has the highest stats, whatever it is. You need to understand that some nights it's going to be Jackie Young's night. And Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage are going to have to do the non-statistical things, right? The 50-50 balls, the playing intense D, hands in the face, things like that. Those are the moves that are going to win you a championship. And not saying, oh, Jackie Young isn't the superstar that Asia Wilson or Liz Cambage is, so she shouldn't be taking the stardom for this game. It's finding what's the weakness of the team, even before game or, or during the game, and being able to exploit that and talk about that and figure out how the team can take advantage of that. And it, it, it might mean Kelsey Plum. It, it might mean Dierga Hamby. It might mean Chelsea Gray. Whatever it is, that's how you win a championship, yep. being selfless. Yeah, that, and, and I think I really think they're doing a good job. I know they've lost three games. Again, you know, some, some movement on the roster. Kelsey Plum has been in and out. She's still getting her legs underneath her. But I see a team – I see a team that, you know, is doing a good job of accepting roles um, and, and that ever-changing every single night. I think there is a level of consistency here. A really – shout out to Raquana Williams. I think she's doing really well. She's a yeah. nice addition to the Aces. And talk about a player that um, I really feel like accepts her role immediately um, and, and fits in with this roster extremely nicely. And obviously Chelsea Gray has been um, – I mean, one of the best point guards in the league and has been playing really, really well. So I like the addition of Rapana and Chelsea with this team. And um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I love Angel McCautry. I'm, I'm heartbroken that she's hurt, but I don't think the loss of Angel um, makes this team any less of a contender, not to change subjects. But what I'm seeing is kind of a, a team that, that has a level of consistency from their core um, in the front court. And, and, and really, I mean, they, they're, 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 I mean, why not? This is, this is the year above any others where, where they should go in a championship. So I see them mixing really well together right now. Real quick. I'm not going to get into it now, but we're going to end the episode on this because you brought up Angel McCautry. I brought this up on Twitter. It's a fun, uh, exciting, maybe cheeky, maybe jerkish. I, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Just if you get a chance, look at the two, 2011 top players. Tamika Catchings won MVP that season, um, losing twice, almost twice as many games as the Minnesota Lynx. Angel McCautry led that season uh, out of, in my opinion, looking over the stats. Uh, she was a player who should have been in consideration for the MVP nod. It's just an interesting exercise to kind of play revisionist history, to look back uh, at an award given out and try and understand why that award was given out. And I think the 2011 MVP trophy or MVP award, Samika Catchings, might leave you with some head scratching. Um, does it affect her legacy? No. Does it, in my opinion, was her legacy probably one of the reasons that she won the award that year? Probably yes. Um, 
Am I against that logic? Yes. But interesting thing, it will be a fun one to do a debate. We'll have to get like Curtis and, and somebody else to join us. Um, and uh, although he'll probably say, no, yeah, I have this the podcast, I'll go on it. Ari is just out here trying to stir the pot today. So I apologize <laughs> for everyone who's pissed off. This is just, well, you must have woke up in a, in a good mood today, ready to just call some reviews. <laughs> <laughs> just all I'll say, all I will say is if you look at the stats. It is interesting. You, it is. It, exa- that's all I'm saying is obviously, I, I'm not going to lie. I'll be completely transparent and upfront. The reason I started it was I was like, damn, how did Simone not win an MVP award? And I started to look through the seasons and I was like, damn, 2011. I mean, she was balling out. 29 minutes a game, 50 field goal per- 50% field goal percentage, 41% from three, 86 free throw percentage, 16 points a game, some other crazy stats. And I was like, okay, let me start looking at it. Now, I will say, coming out the other end, uh, after I did that deep dive into the rabbit hole of it, I do think, maybe I'm biased, I feel like it should have been Tina Charles or Simone Augustus who won the award that year. Um Probably I could assume that the nod would go more towards Tina, but I just thought it was interesting that Simone didn't even get any MVP votes that season. That that was the interesting aspect for me. Lindsey Whalen got uh, the Minnesota Lynx votes that season. And, you know, food for thought. Think it over. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tweet at me. Don't DM me. Tweet at me about why I'm wrong. Um, so that I can come Twitter famous and get that blue check mark. <laughs> Rachel is always... Appreciate you. Uh, excited for this next episode. We're going to be recording later today, hopefully, if everything works out. Uh, and we'll have a special one, a double up day on Friday. <laughs> Rachel, have a great one.